0: Welcome to Hero with a Thousand Potions, a gaming podcast where we talk about video games. Nate's got the night off, so to speak, and um, well, we're going to do something a little different this time. I have a brother-in-law that uh, works in the video game industry, and uh, he's taken uh, an evening to speak with me here on the podcast. Uh, His name is Danny. Uh, Danny's in the chat here. How is it going tonight? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I I have to thank you for uh, joining me in this little chat here.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised we both found time between um, all of our kids.
0: Oh my God, that's right. Yeah, you've got a few and I just had a baby almost three months ago. And, you know, it is challenging because I'm daddy now, but I still have these hobbies I want to attend to. And so you've got to be kind of clever with what you can and can't do. And of course, your wife plays a big role in facilitating that. And, and Rose has my thanks for looking after uh baby tonight.
1: Honestly, I think you have it worse right now because at that age, they're like, their schedules are so chaotic whereas like my kids now at least they have like a bedtime and when they go to bed they'll stay there until the morning so so i feel for you right now
0: thank you uh we're turning a corner actually i'm noticing lately um for the these aren't sequential days but three days so far um ella has slept six hours in at no excuse five to six hours At nighttime, and and it's funny when when that happens because I usually do the midnight to 2 a.m. feeding and then if there's a three to five Rose will do that one because I like to I like to stay up and Rose likes to go to bed early and so that kind of works out but when when baby sleeps throughout the night we wake up and we go did did you do the 3 a.m. no did did you do (laughs) and so it's a surprise to us every time and that happened last night so I'm feeling pretty happy about that
1: And there's always that, like, especially with your first porn, at least for us, I don't know about for you, but, like, anything that happens, like, out of the ordinary like that, where, you know, you normally feed her at a certain time at night, and then one day, like, she doesn't wake you up, and you don't wake up, and you're like, oh, my God, did something happen? Like, she didn't have her 2 a.m. feeding. Is she okay? Precisely. Everything is fine, so.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Danny, why don't you tell us... What you do and where you work.
1: Sure, um, I worked at or work at Treyarch, which is a sub company, I guess, of um, they're owned by Activision Blizzard. And so, I recently moved there. I was working at just Activision proper up until a couple months ago. Um, and I've actually had like two different roles since being there. I started out as just like a QA tester um so i would you know literally hands on the game and run through it and and now i for the last year i've been doing um like automation work so it's still kind of on the qa side where we are writing programs to test the game so we're still like technically qa but i'm not really hands on with the game anymore i'm you know on my computer writing code to then test the game so same company, pretty much, but uh, very, very different work.
0: Sure, sure. I know that when you uh, swung by and visited Wisconsin with your family a couple weeks ago, you had mentioned that the, the the sort of things that you do have kind of changed, but I didn't know that you were working for uh, another company or a sister company subsidiary of Activision.
1: Yeah, they're owned by Activision, so it's, I mean, like, almost nothing about my job changed One that... Happen. It's just that we kind of, my team kind of reports to different people now, and we kind of focus on, you know, more Treyarch-centric stuff versus, like, Activision as a whole. Um, But our team is kind of still utilized, like, throughout the company, so I'm at least hoping that we still have the chance to not just work on Treyarch games, because um, when we were at Activision, it was... You know, we even though Activision is like known for Call of Duty, we had the chance to do like a little bit here and there with like with other games that they were under. So like when I was a QA tester, I got to work on Crash Bandicoot and Tony Hawk and I did a little bit of Diablo and then, of course, a lot of Call of Duty. So I have my hands in a lot of different pies. Um, it's not as diverse currently, but I'm hoping that like, you know, you will get that influx of non Call of Duty games at some point.
0: Sure, sure. That sounds like quite a variety of genre, even despite being, you know, popularly known for Call of Duty.
1: Yeah, it's just because Activision owns so many different uh, studios. You know, they own Toys for Bob, who were the ones who did Crash Bandicoot and I think Spyro. And then they owned Vicarious Visions, who were the ones that headed the, like, Tony Hawk series. And then they were eventually, like, merged into. Blizzard. Um so they're kind of like doing probably Diablo I think is what they're doing now. Even though like all of their studios have their hand in a Call of Duty thing cuz that is just like a massive franchise. Um they do have like a pretty diverse uh talent pool on their belt.
0: What kind of gamer would you describe yourself as? Like game what titles did you grow up with and fall in love with? What are you playing lately? What's going on in the gaming world of Danny?
1: Uh, I'm very much like a Nintendo fanboy. Like I grew up with every Nintendo console, and I was like a huge Mega Man X fan, and I loved Donkey Kong Country growing up, and a lot of those just like kind of side-scrolling platformers. Currently, I'm on my like second playthrough of Breath of the Wild, so I'm still like a Nintendo fanboy, and I'm like I I forget that I have a PlayStation. I like always. If I see a game that it looks kind of interesting, but it's not on the Switch, I will most likely not buy it. That's what's going on in my world, is a lot of just, like, booting up Breath of the Wild and just, like, running around the map looking for the little Korok seed guys.
0: Sure, yeah.
1: And I'll just do that for, like, three hours.
0: I remember I was present at your house in the Austin area, and we had a Danny trivia game, and one of the questions was, what was Danny... What is Danny's favorite video game franchise? And I was very, very confident the answer was Final Fantasy, and I was wrong.
1: Way wrong. I mean, I, I love Final Fantasy VII. I have not really played any other Final Fantasy game.
0: Um, I'm betting I was just projecting all over you. Um, maybe. But-
1: <laughs> maybe it's just because we had like one conversation about <laughs> Final Fantasy VII.
0: But the correct answer was Mega Man, Mega Man, or Mega Man X.
1: I love Mega Man. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm. I think like I started out on Mega Man X, uh, and then it's like the the older I got, like the further back in time I went. So now, like I, I would probably say like my favorite one is Mega Man Two. And so I went back quite a ways. Um, my my desk at work is full of like the Mega Man Funko Pop guys. And I have like a Mega Man Amiibo and a Mega Man some other toy that I think Brittany got me uh, for like my birthday or something. So I just have like a lot of Mega Man stuff. And it's one sure. of those things where like, I don't know, I like play it very much anymore. But like I still like it holds like just such like a special place in my little heart that like I will always like go to bat and root for Mega Man and buy every new Mega Man game that comes out.
0: Big fan of the soundtrack too. I know you've been to concerts where bands are playing the soundtrack live.
1: Yeah, I did that once. Like I was in the band that did that once. Oh my God. Um, We just played the music of Mega Man 2, um, kind of in the order that you would hear it if you were playing the game, but it was just me and three other people playing the music. There's a band called, I mean, there's obviously like tons of video game cover bands that will play music from Mega Man, Um, but there's a band called Bit Brigade. One of their members is like a speedrunner, and so he has his NES console and they have a projector on a screen. And he plays through the game. And then there's four people playing instruments that play like a live soundtrack. So if he dies, they'll play like the dying fanfare and then they'll start over. And like they you know, when you enter a a boss room, they'll suddenly switch the music they were playing to the boss music and stuff like that. That is incredible. They do other games other than Mega Man, but like, I think they're, like really big one was Mega Man 2. They've done Mega Man 3. Um they've done Castlevania, the original uh Zelda, Metroid, um handful of others. Uh I would highly recommend going to see them if you ever get a chance. They're very fun.
0: Where are they based out of?
1: Georgia somewhere, I hmm. want to say.
0: Cool, yeah, we'll look them up. That sounds awesome.
1: Yeah, they're kind of it's kind of fun to like You know, when they're on tour, being like, oh, what game are they going to play? And I think they kind of advertise, like, oh, we're playing Mega Man 3 on this tour. Um, So I've seen, let's see, I've seen them do Mega Man 2, Mega Man 3, Metroid, Zelda, Castlevania. That might be it. Awesome. Um, But yeah, it's kind of fun. So every time you see them, you're going to be getting, like, a completely new experience.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So a lot of us nerds growing up and even into adulthood, like Nate and I, we think about a career like the one that you have and say, that would be an amazing thing to do. But, you know, 99% of the time we settle into our lives and we end up doing other things for work. And I want to ask you, Danny, like what made you dig your heels into the ground and say, no, I really am going to walk my talk and I really am going to get a job like this?
1: Um, I didn't do that at all. (laughs) (laughs) I'll make this kind of a long story um so i went to school previously like years and years ago um for music performance and i wanted to play music at some level as for a living whether that was like teaching or being a studio musician or touring touring musician and it just like didn't work out and it wasn't working out by the time like our first kid came along so it was like okay i need to switch gears here and i was like well what's the what's the next thing that I'm like even vaguely interested in and I was like "Uh, I guess like computers are cool um so I went back to school for like a software development degree and then when that finished up is when we moved down here to Texas and I like grinded for I don't know maybe six to eight months like trying to find a job and just couldn't find anything and then Burrell your sister actually Um, and my wife sent me like a job listing for like a QA tester. And it was just like a, I know this isn't like what you want to do. And this is not like a career, like, but you know, something that's kind of like tech adjacent, you know? Sure. And so it would just been like, a, just like some income that I could be bringing in. And then something that I could put on my resume. That's like tangentially related to what I wanted to do that I was hoping could like kind of fling me into you know, put that on my resume, and that would make it easier to get a job elsewhere. So then after about a year of doing QA work, I was still like looking for a job. And I was looking, talking to a recruiter who had called me and he was like, Hey, you work at Activision. Uh, I have a job opening there. Do you know anything about the automation team? And I was like, No, I've never heard of them, actually. So I got in touch with the manager. And it was like, you know, Working at a video game studio. It was working at the same place, but I was doing like programming work, which is exactly what I went to school for. And when I was like looking for a job, I didn't really want to do video games for a living because, you know, I had gone to school for music previously. And it was like, oh, I love doing music. So I want my whole life to revolve around music. And when it came to this, I was like, well, I really enjoy doing video games as a hobby. I don't really want to do it as a job because I don't want to, like, cross those two things again. Mm -hmm. Um, But it kind of worked out because, like, again, I'm not really hands-on with the game anymore. I'm not, like, programming, you know, gameplay or anything. I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff that's not working on the video game itself, if that makes sense. And so, like, my video games as a hobby and video games as a job still feel very much like two completely separate things in my life. But to answer your question, like, I never had that, like, conversation with myself of, like, I'm going to pursue video games as a career. It just kind of happened to happen that way.
0: So you were distinguishing the difference between the traditional QA that folks like myself might be imagining what's going on, let's say, like, on Mythic Quest. I don't know if you watch that show, but it's about a game studio. And, you know, they've got a room where people are kind of, like, playing games and, like, stress testing it or checking out bugs but you mentioned this automation sort of process where you must be developing software where you're it kind of checks for bugs on your behalf or does quality assurance in a in a sort of automated way as you put it can you say more about that
1: yeah so i mean there obviously is that like manual side of um you know you have a controller in your hand and you're running around a map and you're trying to look for where you fall through the ground or you know something like that or you shoot a wall and nothing happens or like you can walk through walls the stuff i do like i think that kind of bug searching is definitely like you need manual testers to do that uh the stuff i kind of work on is you know kind of general like is the build like the build of this game like stable like can it even launch into the game are all of the maps like all of the multiplayer maps if i try and go into each and every one of those like are they all actually going to load in or is one of them gonna crash somewhere or you know so that kind of more like easily automated kind of tasks where Mm -hmm. it's it would be really hard to program something to like run around a map and be able to identify certain types of bugs so a lot of the stuff we do is more kind of like tedious repetitive type work that you don't really need a like creative eye to see things like oh i noticed in the corner of my eye this you know door was missing or something i don't know so that kind of stuff definitely needs like a person you know walking through doing that but the stuff we do is more like oh whenever you launch this one specific map the game crashes and we can easily like identify that a crash is happening we can log all of the data that data that we need to do and then it reports back and either we can like generate like a bug report or somebody can kind of like run our program and then come back to it later and be like oh it crashed every time i tried to load into this map i better send this out to the developers and have them take a look at it i think we're kind of in this like little bit of a transition phase where we're trying to like break out of just doing like testing work mm-hmm. and trying to look into like some other bots where we can kind of like find some repetitive, tedious tasks that people are doing and see if we can automate that kind of stuff. But that's, there's no real like concrete details to, to give there.
0: Sure. How do you interface with this automation process? Do you have this dashboard that's running reports and, and displaying graphs of, things going on like wh- when you are automating like what are you what are you squinting at what are you leaning forward at your computer screen and and looking at
1: i have a you know programming or like coding environment called uh vs code which is just like a free text editor uh that i can write like python code in which is how what we write all of our all of our scripts in so i'm literally like if you're if you imagine like a if you were to google like hacker images and you found some guy like at a computer with all this like matrix looking code running across the screen running across the screen i kind of do like a very very watered down boring version of that so at no point do i see like a game engine or do i see like the back end game code itself i'm writing my own code that will how we do it is like i will write a program that in my programs that i'm writing it's I have like controller inputs that we have a bunch of like 500 or 600 test consoles, like PlayStations and Xboxes and things like that. And they're all connected to like laptops. And so when I run my program, it can send it to each and every one of those laptops, which then sends like controller inputs to the console to like navigate throughout a map or menu system. So that's kind of how the way I interact with the game works if that any of that makes sense
0: yeah that makes sense so how is your department kind of structured we talked a little bit about the manual testers and there's an automation team that i'm just learning about um do you guys work together do you have a supervisor what's the sort of structure in the office like
1: uh we're kind of in like a unique situation where my team treyarch is based out of like Los Angeles and they kind of have like people scattered around the US and I think parts of Canada, but their headquarters is in Los Angeles. But my team specifically is based in Austin, Texas. Um, and we are in a building kind of by ourselves. Um, we used to be in a building with the QA testers, and then we just moved out recently. But we do interface with them a little bit like if like I'm building a tool that works on a specific feature of this game um and since activision is so big they kind of have different tqa teams working on different projects or different parts of the game and so like depending on what feature i'm looking to test on if that makes sense i will reach out to oh this person is the lead on this project so whenever i'm working on a feature for that project i will reach out to that person and get some details and they'll kind of like explain to me oh we need a tool that does X, Y, and Z. And so then I go back and I write a little bit of code and I think of a question that I need answered. So I go back to them and say, Hey, um, have you accounted for this? How do you want me to handle that? Um, so we do interface with like, uh, the QA team when needed, but a lot of the times it it almost feels very like secluded because we're in this really big building that's not quite filled out yet. So it's our team of like 10 people in this corner office of this huge building and then mm-hmm. there's like five or six or seven other people kind of scattered throughout the rest of it. Um so it feels really weird sometimes to be in this huge building but it's not a lot of people there filling it out. Is it triarc How do I pronounce it? Treyarch. Treyarch, how do you spell that? Um Trey, like somebody's name like T-R-E-Y, and then arc like Arc. I don't know. <laughs> sure.
0: Do you work strictly with Activision or do you go or do you work contract work for other developers?
1: No. So the only stuff we work on is um, it might not be like Activision proper, you know, Mm. Um, like, like, again, like we work on, you know, when we worked on Crash Bandicoot, that was technically Toys for Bob is the name of the studio. But Toys for Bob is owned by Activision. So we yeah, we only work on like things that Activision publishes. So, like, Bethesda is never going to contract us to go work on a Skyrim or whatever. We are strictly Treyarch under Activision.
0: Got it. In your positions, you don't interact with directors, creative minds for these titles?
1: A little bit. I mean, maybe not, like, directors of the, the games themselves, but, I mean, as far as, like, title goes, there are, like, technical directors... Uh, that I will talk with once in a while about maybe not so much game related things, but kind of like more back end IT server side kind of issues that we're running into. Um, Or like maybe they have a tool that I could incorporate into something that I'm working on, but not really like, you know, oh, the director of God of War, you know, I'm not going to talk to that level of somebody. I you know there's there's really like nothing. There's not really a, like a relation there like what I'm uh-huh. doing versus what they're doing at least at this point. Um, so right now no like not so much.
0: So what does a normal day look like for you? <laughs> I I have this vision that you are in an office that is a little sparse of population and you have a small team that you work on and and you have these automated programs or or apps or applets that you that you work on and then you produce reports or it seems like a silly thing because god knows what happens day in day out of everybody's job but you paint a picture for uh, me what's what a typical day might kind of look like
1: yeah so i mean how how detailed do you want me to get do you want me to talk about my Three runs to the coffee machine, or
0: yes, start with the three runs of the coffee machine. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, so I'm usually the first person in the office because I will like drop our kids off at school and then go straight there. Whereas we kind of have like somewhat flexible hours, so people kind of just come in anywhere between 8 30 and 11. And really, it's just like I will open up Visual Studio Code and I will, you know, if I'm continuing working on a project, I'll start. You know, just typing away some Python code. We do have like a I don't know if you're familiar with Jira at all, but it's basically like a bug management system. So we use that and we meet we kind of have like a formal meeting twice a week where we kind of individually go over I've been working on this task and I am having trouble with this if anybody wants to help. It's just like a routine update so like everybody kind of knows where everybody else is and if anybody needs help so i think if if you were to think of like you know bugs in a game you know the first thought is like oh like i was saying earlier like oh there's a box clipping into a wall or like there's a door that you can walk through like those kind of things our jira board is like filled with you know they're all technically bugs but it's not like they're not always like about the game. It's kind of like, Oh, the tool that Danny wrote for the zombies mode, it's like failing to log an error whenever this one specific error occurs. Or we, we have like a, a bigger tool that we built to kind of like manage all of like, like I said, we have like a bunch of PCs and consoles that we deal with. And so Mm -hmm. we kind of built our own tool to interact with those. And, you know, sometimes sometimes, that system has bugs in it that we have to write up a ticket for so everybody has eyes on it and then it'll get assigned to somebody so that is kind of like my day of like looking at that board of what tickets I have assigned to me and just like continue where I left off the day before of like working on one or taking a break and finishing up another one and like I don't know (laughs) what else there really is to my day it's a lot of just like finishing off this task putting it in the done bin and then going back and you know there's a backlog of a ton of other bugs that are like the backlog is never going to be empty there's always going to be stuff in there so I'll start looking through there of stuff that I can you know that's even in my wheelhouse because sometimes there's stuff in here that's just like not really something I would ever work on but I'll scour that for something and then I'll assign it to myself, or sometimes my manager is like, hey, somebody requested this feature. Can you handle that? And then we'll write up a little ticket for it. I'll assign it to myself and then get to work. Cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It sounds a lot more boring than it probably is. I enjoy my job a lot, but maybe I'm not doing the best of like selling it to you.
0: Well, I don't think you need to sell it to me. I think what's interesting about this is what it's actually like rather than this, fantastic version of kids in beanbags leaning forward all over their controllers at giant screens in a dark room. Right. It it ain't yeah. like that. I I think the the truth, the 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 man behind the curtain, Wizard of Oz sort of answers are more interesting, frankly.
1: Yeah, and even when I was a like a QA tester, there was always that um idea of like, oh you get to play video games all day. That must be so awesome. And, like yes, and no, um, the q a team is kind of split up in between you know they kind of like branch off into different teams themselves, and I worked on a team that was solely focused on like the technical and legal aspects of the game, so if you're gonna put your game on a Sony platform or a Microsoft platform or a Nintendo platform or anything, they have pretty strict rules to. You know, they basically have a huge checklist of, like, these are the things you absolutely need to put your game onto our consoles. And it's, like, really dumb stuff. Like, you know, are you using the correct capitalization of PlayStation? You know? Sure. Or if there's a Microsoft logo in the game, are you adhering to the, like, our official like, logo guidelines, that kind of stuff. Um, So it was always kind of funny where my team didn't write a lot of bugs, but the bugs that we did write were, like, always major because even though something like misspelling PlayStation sounds really dumb, they will not put your game on their platform if you miss something like that. So I didn't really get to do a lot of, like, the running around looking for boxes clipping into walls kind of bug hunting but yeah even within like just doing qa there's like depending on what team you're on there's a very different like outlook of what the day today of a qa tester is
0: sure sure
1: and even i mean and even now like like i was saying earlier like you know i work on video games and i work for a video game company in the video game industry but i rarely touch a video game while I'm at work you know a lot of my work is not focused on that it's focused on like writing these other programs that will eventually test the game but like I don't need to cross that bridge myself very often it's a lot of like I will write it and then it'll go and test the game itself I never really have to go into the game very often sometimes I do but not for very long
0: is that kind of nice though because one of my questions I have for you is one of those, like, now that you know how the sausage is made sort of questions. But if you've got this sort of divider line between, like, with the, you know, playing a proper game of a proper build or developing these and managing these tools that scrutinize bugs kind of on your behalf and you manage that, are you able to maintain your base enjoyment of gaming at leisure in your life in spite of this? Uh, this gig
1: yeah absolutely which is why like earlier when I was saying you know I specifically did not want to go into game development um, but then I ended up working for a video game studio anyway but I kind of enjoy it because the work that I do is not like nitty-gritty making the game like I know my job is important like quality assurance in general is important to making a good game but it's not like I stare at these video games all day long and like I am I don't know like if they feel what I what I do at work and like when I come home and I you know play a video game are so separate that like sometimes it doesn't feel like I work for a video game company, you know, which I think is great because again like I I love that my video games as a hobby is so separate from my job. And even when I was a QA tester to be honest, like I knew a lot of people that were like, oh, you know, when I get home after a long day, like, I don't even want to play video games because I've been, you know, playing a game all day. And I never really felt that way. A lot of the times I like I had never I had played one Call of Duty game before working at Activision, and it was like the very first Call of Duty game. But when I was at work and I would be playing the game all day, when I got off, I was like really hyped to continue playing it and then so i would go home and i would like start playing call of duty or you know i'd go in the next day and they were like hey we're gonna work on some crash bandicoot today and then that night i would go home and i'm like i'm like i really want to play some crash bandicoot so (laughs) i got really excited to like play the games that we were uh, working on and maybe it was just because i only did that job for like a year before i switched to where i am now but it never really like affected me in a negative way
0: so what stage in development are you you typically seeing a game when you're when you're testing it. Would you categorize them as a pre-alpha, alpha, beta?
1: I mean, often they are not um, categorized like that. How do I put it? Like they they come in all different like states and states and sizes. Um, and it really depends on like how close it is to the release of the game. Like obviously. You know, if we're working on a game a year before it's actually going to come out, it's going to be in like pretty rough, a pretty rough state where, you know, maybe a very, very limited portion of the game is actually done and there are assets that are obviously not <clears throat> complete. But it, it's not really, I think because like we go through so many different builds, they don't really call them like alpha, pre alpha, beta, or something like that. Uh, I think those terms are more like when you do have like a solid build and you have very specific things you are looking for on it. Um, you know, then they'll do things like a public alpha, where you know if if you go in one day, the game is going to be in the same state the next day as it was the previous day. Whereas at work, like we may go through three or four different builds a day. And each build has like a very slightly different update to it. So every day is like you're working on a slightly different state of the game than it was the day before. And it's like something might have been fixed in one spot, but then break something in another spot. But when you're talking about like an alpha or a beta or, you know, an internal beta or a public alpha or something like that, I think it's just here is a build and we need a lot more people on this one specific build to test X, Y, and Z. And so they kind of put it in this like somewhat, you can't see I'm using air air quotes, pretty package, Um, even though like alphas and betas can still be in like really rough shape. So yeah, uh, generally like those terms aren't like thrown around a lot. There are times where there will be like an internal beta for a game and so it'll go on for like a couple weeks and we'll get to like kind of like after hours like not even really working we'll get to play the game and I think the purpose is because we're not really there to like write up bugs it's more to get a feel of like and this is kind of like speculation this isn't like a something I was trained to know but you're ge- you're getting more a feel for like how is the progression system like how does it feel when you shoot a zombie or something you know you're it's a lot more of that kind of stuff and a lot less like the building is see through or the floor you can fall through it at certain spots.
0: Does okay. any of that make sense? It does make sense and actually led into another question I wanted to ask you um, so some of these bugs are going to be like clipping falling through the floor but I also kind of wonder if you've ever had to like make a recommendation to adjust a game that ended up changing like a game system, like a progression system, or you discover something that required a rebalancing of a system. Is, is that kind of part of your work as well?
1: No, not in my experience. Um, it might be different or it might be like, a, it might be different depending on the company. And then B, it might be a little bit different now at Activision because, um, They just converted, like, if you were a QA tester, like, a year ago, you were actually working for a, like, like, a recruiting firm. So you were technically their employee, and then you were contracted out to Activision or whoever. They hired all of their QA testers full-time recently. And so, and I think they also started having some studios do, like, integrated testing, where we will have a certain you know, like a team of QA testers and they will work with the art department or the engineering department or, you know, so you have different teams that are kind of dedicated to one specific thing and they're starting to kind of have more of like an open dialogue between each other of like being able to talk directly to a developer about something and not just like writing up a bug and throwing it online and hoping that they see it one day. But when I was there, it was very much like, look, you're not here to make recommendations or anything. Very rarely there are situations where you could, but generally it's like when you find something wrong, you would see if it's already written up. If not, write it up yourself and send it off and start looking for something else. So not in my experience have I like heard of anything like that happening where somebody like made a suggestion or found something that was so severe that it, you know, completely changed the some system within the game. Okay.
0: Fair enough. Danny, this is great. This is so much fun. I can't believe it. Cool.
1: Yeah. I'm like
0: You are shattering walls all around me.
1: i don't know if that's good or
0: bad <laughs> me neither i'll find out soon enough some of these questions are nate's that he uh sent to me that he wanted to ask i've been kind of weaving I see him them online
1: on. right now and i was like oh is he gonna be on the call and he's not on the call
0: welcome to the episode post-production nate who for the rest of this episode will be totally unbound by sound effect wubs like i am wub
2: yes you probably see me on discord quite a bit that is because i often spend time with my wife via gaming but i do not consider myself available during those times so uh, i will often get group invites or questions from world of warcraft guild members and friends to come join their content but no i am not going to because that is
1: wife time it's funny. Just get him to go back and, like, listen to it and then, like, add in his own banter. <laughs> and then it'll be like he's here, even though he never, like, directly... We never, like, directly uh-huh. talk to him. All right. Let, let's, maybe, let's play maybe, with maybe that we now. Have, maybe we should have a little section where you and I pretend like we're talking to Nate and then he can go back and fill in with, like, his own... He can, like, overdub his his, his, <laughs> his part.
2: Yeah. That's a good idea and all, but I think our Discord viewers, listeners, members are too smart to be fooled by such shenanigans. I recently watched a episode of RuPaul's Drag Race with my wife where they said they had a guest judge of Taika Waititi, director of the Thor movies. But instead of being a legitimate guest judge, they just had a TV screen on the set in which he gave canned reactions to whatever was happening on the stage. Like, oh, interesting, intriguing, hmm, to where it was obvious this was filmed beforehand and had no relation to what was going on. And so I think that'd be the same case if I tried to interject anything here. Xenoblade Chronicles gamers are just too damn smart, guys. We can't fool them. And I can't phone it in on this one.
0: All right, Nate, you got any
2: questions? Okay, question, Danny. Now that you work at Microsoft, I'm sure you have the answer to this. Is it true Bill Gates canceled Fortnite 2? Because he was unhappy, there was no dating sim mechanics in the game. Or is that all speculation?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Nate. Um, Unfortunately, um, that's not information I'm able to um, speak to at this point. But again, amazing question.
2: Also, I heard Scarlett Johansson was originally tapped to play Cortana in the Halo TV show, but turned down the role after that people found out she would be a white woman playing the role of a blue woman. And that that was inappropriate. Do you have any insight on that, Danny?
0: <laughs> that was fucking stupid, Nate. All right. So speaking of like not being able to talk about things, um, like you are working on games that are not out yet. And so I imagine there must be a sort of confidentiality agreement that you might have to be bearing in mind as you're working uh, on these projects here, I'm hesitating to ask you questions like, well, what the heck are you working on? Because I'm betting that you're not able to tell me. Is that true?
1: Yeah, I I can't specifically talk about um, the games that I am working on. Um, I'm only able to talk about, like, mention, like, a game title after it's been released. And mm-hmm. even then, like, I'm really, I'm not supposed to, like, I mean, it's kind of different now because I'm not like writing bugs, but like as a tester, so I worked on um, like pretty heavily on Call of Duty Cold War. And so I couldn't say that until the game was released. And then I could say, hey, I worked on Call of Duty Cold War. Um, But I couldn't go to people and be like, yeah, and there was this one bug where blah, blah, blah would happen. Mm -hmm. You know, I couldn't talk about the specifics about what i could do but i after the game came out i could say hey i worked on this game which is why i can say yeah i worked on crash bandicoot 4 and i worked on uh the tony hawk remaster and i worked on cold war and vanguard um because those are all released or diablo resurrected awesome those are all released games so i can say that but i can't say like i'm currently working on insert unreleased game here
0: some of these questions are kind of like adolescent, <laughs> or like playing into the starry-eyed um, kind of perspective here. So I feel like I want to ask you a question: like, what's the weirdest, funniest bug you've encountered?
1: I mean, but I I, I can't really talk about that actually.
0: <laughs> you know what? Thank you, because you're probably saving me from. I mean, I'm saving myself. myself
1: from, I'm saving myself from losing a job.
0: And you're saving me from. Myself and having silly perspectives about <laughs> the gaming industry.
1: I mean, I don't want to feel like I'm like destroying somebody's idea of what it's like to, like, especially if somebody like uh-huh. really wants to work in video games. Like, I don't want to be like, oh, it's not actually anything like that. So you shouldn't do it or like kind of like, you know, break somebody's sh- dreams of what they think it's like because I work in like a very unique, specific part of it. And I don't know if you can go to just, like, any video game studio and they're going to have an automation team, you know? I think because Activision is so huge, they can, like, afford to do stuff like that. And, like, again, they're so huge that they kind of need to automate certain tasks so they mm. can delegate the the people they do have to doing stuff that needs Manual people doing manual work. So, like, my team is very unique and specific, and maybe shouldn't be applied to every studio or every, like, even every, like, department of a studio. Like, what I do could very well be, like, my day to day could very well be extremely different from, you know, somebody who's like a level designer or, like, a, you know, a writer, obviously, or, you know, they, focus on very different parts of the game so maybe in one of those positions it very much is like your like golden idea of what it's like to build video games that's not my experience but like that could be true for somebody else you know
0: mm-hmm. well i think that perhaps like any other professional environment you get your foot in the door with one in one position, and then maybe you can career path into another department, into a, the position maybe you originally wanted. H- have you seen anything like that in your experience? Are people getting promoted into other roles, into other de- departments?
1: I mean, I started as a manual tester, and now I'm writing programs to, you know, so I'm certainly on that path of, you know, I started in one spot and now kind of diverging somewhere else. I don't necessarily know where I'll end up, but you know, what I'm doing now is very different than what I was doing a year ago, um, or a little bit over a year ago. And I did have somebody who they started as a tester and then they were they were hired onto automation around the same time I was, and then they actually moved over to Blizzard, kind of doing something even more like removed from where they started. So uh yeah, I think that happens probably pretty often
0: nice do you have any particular feelings about the blizzard acquisition
1: i don't know anything more than like the rest of the world knows Mm -hmm. Um, i found out about it the same time the rest of the world found out about it you know i woke up and i was you know scrolling on twitter when i saw it before i got to work that day so it's not like i had or have currently like any insider information about that uh anything that i know is like already public as far as like what my feelings are on it, i don't know like i don't think it's gonna really change my day to day if it if it in any way like changes for the better the like cultural stuff at activision that has been like reported about in the past year i'm all for it if it can change that kind of stuff for the better which a lot of people have like speculated could but other than that i'm like I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go to work, and the the big thing that I take away is that assuming it goes through, I'm gonna go on my LinkedIn page and then change my like the company that I work for to Microsoft, which will really open some doors for me in like the tech world to be like, oh yeah, I've been working at Microsoft for for three years. When it's like that, really couldn't be further from the truth. I get that. Or I'll do something really weird, like, um, like I'll just start saying that. Yeah, oh, yeah, I work I'm I'm working on the new Elder Scrolls game because like Microsoft owns Bethesda who is doing Elder Scrolls. Um and Microsoft also would own Activision who owns Treyarch, which is where I am and then so I could just like make grand. Oh yeah, I'm also working on this game that's like so far removed from where I actually am, just to mess with people, you know.
0: Oh sure, sure. You know more about your role than I do. Like what's what more can you tell me? What probing question could I have asked that just I didn't put in front of you today? If there isn't an answer to this, that's fine. We'll carry on. But
1: uh, I know, and I'm trying really hard to think of like a really good answer to end on, and I can't really think of one. Like again, I feel like my role is like not as fun as somebody. You know, if you were to think about what it's like to work in the game industry, mm-hmm. I'm probably not a good representation of what it's like. And so I think if I were, you know, when I was answering some of your questions earlier, I was like, oh man, my job sounds so boring and not (laughs) fun. I'm going to like turn away anybody who like is excited about working in video games Uh and they're going to be like, oh, that actually sounds really boring. I think if anybody was to like pursue a career in it, I think it would be good to like temper your expectations of, yeah, I mean, and this kind of goes with any sort of like career that is like romanticized in like you know TV or movies or you know did you ever see that the movie uh Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds?
0: Yes, I did.
1: So like they're in a video game studio and like the the main character who's not Ryan Reynolds mm-hmm. in the real world like he's he was a game developer that then went into QA. And there's like a scene where he like goes live into the game to kind of like live ban a player. And obviously, the way like that is not fiction, like that is something that happens. Obviously, it doesn't happen in the way that they portray it. So, with anything like the way you might think about what it's like doing that is not always the reality. And that's not to say like working in video games in general is not cool and awesome and fun because i certainly do think my job is a lot of fun but like i think there were a lot of people when i was a tester who got into the role and they were thinking that they were literally just going to sit and play video games from nine to five and then go home and it was going to be and that was kind of the end of it where the reality is there's like a lot more like managing that has to go along and there's you know crunch which is like not fun for anybody and there's just like a lot more caveats to just quote-unquote playing video games all day
0: This has been a production of Here with a Thousand Potions, recorded September 1st, 2022. And again, I am joined by my guest, Danny. Danny, thank you for coming out tonight and speaking with me. Thank you for having me. Definitely. We have an email, here with a Thousand Potions at gmail.com. That's 1000 potions. We're also on Discord. You can find a link to our Discord server in our RSS feed. And we also have a Twitter account that I am neglecting. My name is Tyler, and uh, have a nice night, everybody. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Nate.
2: Thanks for having me guys. A pleasure as always. I am totally really here. Ignore anything else I've said or contributed to this
1: podcast. Nate.
2: Oh, oh, that character. <laughs>